Hello, and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 99. I have the wonderful Tammy Kirkness joining me on the show today. She's the founder of Vision Scope Coaching uh, and is an incredibly gifted life coach that has suffered high-functioning anxiety for as long as she can remember, and she has some brilliant tools to have it not be a condition to suffer through, but something that you can feel empowered around, manage, and ensure uh, you don't dip into that anxiety. And uh, she, uh, I just love Tammy's energy, it has to be said. I was interviewed for her wonderful course on high-functioning anxiety and the link between toxins and anxiety, uh, which I absolutely loved our chat, and I thought, I have to get you on the show and, uh, and you will absolutely see what I mean. So if you've struggled with perfectionism, anxiety, or just feel like a sense of pent-uppedness or, you know, feeling like you're almost, I like to call it, plugged into a wall and quite electric and buzzy and don't know how to find calm and find empowerment, then today's show is absolutely going to hit the spot. Uh, So I'm looking forward to bringing you that chat in a second. I just wanted to let you know, Australian readers are trying to get your hands on the book. Yes, you can still find it in some places. We are trying to get that second reprint happening as fast as we can and back onto our shores. Uh, But I have it on good authority that Big W and Target have good stocks around the place and a lot of local bookstores still have a few copies uh, left. So please do make your way uh, around or, of course, Booktopia uh, have been given another couple of hundred copies. So thank you so much. I just I can't believe how well the book has been received and how everyone's talking about using it as a wonderful little gift for the naysayers and their family because finally change is being prevent, presented in a, in a super positive and appealing way instead of making everyone feel guilty about what they're not doing um, to do as well as you are in your hippie lifestyle and all those good chats that I'm having with people all around the country. So uh, if you don't manage to get a hold of it in the next couple of weeks and then you have to wait a little bit, it will definitely be back um, sometime in September and I'll let you know as soon as it's back. Now to the UK and Ireland, don't worry, that doesn't mean you miss out on your launch. That was reserved for you guys ages ago and it is now uh, just about to be available throughout the UK and Ireland and on any of the Amazon Europe websites. So you can um, grab it from one of the links that we share in the show notes or pop to your local bookstore if you're in UK or Ireland somewhere. And I'm looking forward to joining you guys first week of October and hopefully putting on a little event or two somewhere. So that'll be fun and stay tuned for the details. We have obviously uh, always got a wonderful show supporter and uh, this week's is no exception. It's the Nordic Naturals range and I'm featuring their Arctic Cod Liver Oil And they have a wonderful giveaway for us up uh, valued at $144. And in that giveaway um, pack, you get the Arctic Cod Liver Oil Soft Gels, the Children's DHA Chewables, and the Arctic Cod Liver Oil uh, Liquid 237ml. So it's a really wonderful pack. And if you haven't tried Arctic Cod Liver Oil before, uh, I would definitely recommend you check your sources, you check exactly what is in there, because cod liver oil can be all sorts of different cod liver oil. And Nordic Naturals do an incredible job of ensuring that all the way along the production line, they have complete control, they've patented their process. And the beautiful thing about a cod liver oil, um, as opposed to a regular fish oil, is you also have the benefit of vitamin A and vitamin D in there. So if you're someone who finds it hard to get enough natural sun to keep your levels up or if you have gut issues and you need that vitamin A, need that D for your immune system, it's a great way to get it all happening in one go as well as your omega-3s and it's it's just a great product. The lemon flavour is actually from lemon essential oil and they say that if you um, are sensitive to lemon for whatever reason, you can actually get the pet version of the product um, which doesn't have any flavouring at all. And I I kind of joked with um, Elise, I was thinking about the commercial and like me and my dog, we take Nordic Naturals. But in all seriousness, it is a wonderful product. I've used the Nordic Naturals um, Omegas in the past and I'm looking forward to cracking the bottle of uh, Arctic Cod Liver Oil that I've just received from them um, with great thanks in my fridge right now. When I get back from this wonderful week that I'm having in Brisbane, thank you so much to the beautiful Brisbane people and the beautiful Toowoomba people and the beautiful Gundy people who have been coming to 
this little leg of the book tour. Please, uh, Gold Coast and Sunshine Coast, I will make dates available a little bit later in the year, but I just couldn't quite squeeze them in to August. Uh, So it will happen eventually though. So hang tight on that front. Now, just back to Nordic Naturals quickly. So head to the blog post or today's show notes rather and pop a little comment in there to say why you might like the giveaway and uh, and the rest is history. We'll draw it at the end of these wonderful two weeks where they're a sponsor. So head to your local health food store who stock Nordic Naturals products uh, and it's um, actually distributed by Research Nutrition who are a wonderful testing company. You may remember the wonderful Dr. Carrie Jones, the medical director of the Dutch Test, who was on the show a few shows ago, um, Talking Hormones, such a great show. Uh, The Research Nutrition Group um, actually are the ones who bring the Dutch test out. So you can order that through your naturopath as well. I'm a huge fan of that test and very much looking forward to seeing Carrie present this Thursday. I think it's August the 9th um, at a practitioner conference and um, myself and the wonderful Steph, the naturopath on my team are going and um, getting the goodness of Carrie all day. So we'll be doing some writing about... um, the Dutch test and hormones and all the great things we learn. So keep an eye out for that. Now, on to this amazing chat with Tammy. I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed having it. I really felt that her passion coming through so much for this topic. So many people have high functioning anxiety and it doesn't need to be a life sentence of of anxiety. There are so many wonderful things that you can do to um, mitigate and to quieten those symptoms. So enjoy today's show. Hey, Tammy, how are you? Hey, Alex. I'm great. It's so great to be here. It is so great to interview you. You've already interviewed me for your amazing (laughs) course, which is how I found out about the work that you do. And we just had such a good chat that I thought, right, it's time to reverse the tables and have you on the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I guess, you know, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, we're going to be talking about high functioning anxiety today because that's your wheelhouse. Um, But I'd love to find out when you first became conscious of what anxiety was. I think that's always a really interesting, you know, because we can be Mm. little and free and maybe an event happens or, you know, there might be so many reasons, may even be a gut microbiome dysfunction that like we were born anxious and and so many different things. But I'd love to see how your awareness around anxiety and your own anxiety um, when you experienced it sort of all came to be. Well, it's so funny because at uni, I actually studied a a mix of all about anxiety, depression, etc., all of that sort of thing. It didn't twig at all. It was such an intellectual process for me. And it was only many years after I graduated uni and I was in the corporate space and I was really stressed, very overwhelmed that I trotted myself off to the doctor and got myself a mental health care plan. And then when I eventually landed myself in the psychologist's office and I said to her, look, I actually think I've I've got anxiety. I've Googled the symptoms. I think that's where I'm at. She did what was just so soul crushing and she said, but you do so well at everything that you do. You know, you're very successful at work and you've got a lot of friends and you pay all your bills on time. I don't actually think it's that. And it was just the most... (sighs) devastating moment to be sitting in front of a professional who just didn't get it. There I was saying, hey, I worry literally all the time. Please help me. And she said, oh, no, it doesn't look like that. Mm. And that was just so devastating and so I didn't really stay with that psychologist for too long, as you can imagine. Yeah. Well, I mean, such a huge part of it is finding the health professionals that feel like they hear us and that you're going to form a team with rather than someone telling you everything you're saying about your experience as a human is wrong because, you know, no one can know their body better than themselves. Exactly. And I think for some people, hearing a label can be a really distressing process. But for me, it was actually so liberating to say, I'm actually not alone. There are other people that experience these exact same feelings and emotions that I do. And when I was able to reach out and even see some of the famous people that also had anxiety, I went, oh my gosh, well, if they've got it, 
it's okay for me to have it. And so that sort of began the process of me learning more and more about anxiety and eventually leading me to realize that I had the high functioning equivalent as opposed to generalized anxiety disorder. Mm, and something you just said there is uh, is something I don't want to let go, which was that you found um, being able to label it quite freeing. I have to say, you know, when I finally, finally got to my mold illness diagnosis, um, it was the best bad news I could ever get because then I could yeah. actually work with something. And it was just, I found it super freeing as well. And I think I'll be interested to see because of your capacity as a life coach and mindset playing so much into um, the work you do with your clients. Um, but Yes, it's fine to be able to label something that we're experiencing, but then it's how we apply the label and whether we let it take over us, which is where I see the negative of labels starting to, you know, we call it my anxiety. It becomes the thing that I own and therefore it's a part of me rather than moving through. Like, what's your take on that? Yeah, look, I think it's going to be different for every individual, you know, Um uh, for me, I also went through the process of having chronic fatigue syndrome and all of the uh, the pain and the fear and everything that comes with that. And it was funny with that, I also felt quite freed when I got that label. However, I know a lot of my clients who, when they've been able to articulate what's going wrong, it actually brought a sense of shame for them. So I think it's really an individual process, but if we look at it from the perspective of, well, if we know what we're dealing with, we can better manage it and better move towards healing. So I think it's good, but everyone's going to respond differently. Okay, cool. And you mentioned um, high-functioning anxiety uh, as is different to generalised anxiety. What is the difference? Yeah, so if we look at the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, uh, which is what psychologists and psychiatrists use to diagnose mental health issues it in Australia. so clinical, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> A manual <laughs> for our mental health. Okay, yeah. <laughs> We're up to Manual 5 for those playing along. Um one of the criteria of generalised anxiety disorder is that the the problems are so pervasive, the worrying that comes with anxiety is so pervasive that it creates a significant issue or lack of functioning in one of the main areas of our life. So in normal people speak, that translates to an inability to show up to work because it's too stressful or too overwhelming struggling to pay bills, you know, inability to enter a relationship or, or retain one. So the difference then when we look at the high functioning equivalent is, is that we've still got all of those same anxiety-based symptoms of excessive worry, uh, perfectionism, overthinking, ruminating, but outwardly we're looking very successful. We're often a, a quite an ambitious individual. Um, you know, people around that individual will say, wow, you know, you've really got it all together. You're nailing it. Well done, you. I wish I could be you. Um, and so they can just function very easily and effortlessly in everyday life if you've got the high-functioning equivalent. And so how is that then anxiety? Is it just that you're sort of secretly worrying about all these high-functioning things you're doing? It's that that there is a pervasive, long-term, excessive worry that is going on. So basically you're worrying more than the average person. You're kind of on edge all the time, that tired but wired feeling uh, and just constantly scheduling, multitasking, doing. And with this comes that same mental and physical fatigue that can come with regular anxiety as that same feeling that you might be really easily startled if there's a loud bang, for example. Mm, yes. Interesting. Because when we spoke in our conversation, mm. um, we touched on, uh, for your course that is, just for anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking <laughs> about there, um, we touched on how mould exposure can uh, heighten anxiety in people or even bring about the symptom as a part of the mold illness picture. And I remember my husband walking into um, 
like the corridor of the bedroom where the bedrooms are and the living space is a different little part of the apartment. And I happened to be just walking out of my son's room at that point. And honestly, you'd think someone had just walked into our apartment with holding a gun. I was yep. like, ah! <laughs> like that. And, <laughs> and I honestly, my heart started racing and I could not calm it down. And, um, and, and that for me was really that kind of um, moment where I realised anxiety was very much a part of one of the major symptoms that was going on for me at the time. Um, and for me, it ended up being mould exposure that then brought that about in me. So just in case that happens to be an aha for anyone out there, you know, you never know. And I always try to talk about uh, mould whenever I can because it's it's real. And you've been through this too, haven't mm. you? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's that hypervigilance that, yes. is, that you just described that's often um, – the thing that people get to a point of and they go, I'm exhausted. I don't want to jump out of my skin when the door slams. This isn't okay. And to your point about the the mould toxin, it, it really, in my experience, can be any kind of toxin. And that that includes your, your chemical exposure and also toxic environments. So if somebody is in a really a toxic work environment where bullying is rampant, nastiness is everywhere, and there's a lot of underhanded things going on. That I have seen have a similar effect as a physical, tangible, touchable toxin. Wow. Wow. That just makes so much sense. Doesn't it? You know, if, if people, you know, I'm also an energetic healer as well and a clairvoyance. So I see the physical energy that is in a space or surrounding a person. Mm. And if you see someone who's really highly evolved, confident in themselves and just exuding self-love, it looks bright and white and sparkling. But if you walk into a space where there's just been an argument, somebody's been underhanded, it literally looks brown and cloudy. And if you think, if we're maybe on the edge of anxiety, and feeling a little bit vulnerable and then we walk into a space where it's brown and cloudy full of toxic emotion and energy and vitriol of course that's going to affect us you know Mm, absolutely and so wow okay there are so many places we could go here and you just casually mentioned that you're a clairvoyant you know (laughs) just slip that on in there how did that come to be have you always been uh, it turns out, yes, but I didn't know that other people weren't. So, oh, wow. <laughs> so when I was young, for example, one of the earliest memories that I have of of being aware of energy and the ability to move that around and heal other people is when I was around about oh, nine or ten years old and I was at um, our family home and whenever I would hear an ambulance, I just automatically would stop close my eyes, pull down bright white light from the sky or now I would call it the universe above and send it to the direction of where the the ambulance was going towards outside the ambulance. And I thought that was totally normal. I thought every kid did that. <laughs> I didn't do that, Tammy, just, just letting you know. <laughs> I was not doing it. But, I, I, and I'm not a, a very religious person, as brought up Catholic, um, but interestingly, every time I see an ambulance, I make the sign of the cross and think of my grandma. It's oh, just something I do. Beautiful. So isn't it funny how we all have these things, except your thing <laughs> is a little bit more um, a, a little bit more metaphysical. So <laughs> I'll give you that. <laughs> it all helps. Wow. And then so sorry to, to diverge from our topic of today because I'm, I'm genuinely mm. interested and I know people would be as well. So what did it then unfold? How do you use clairvoyance in your work today? Well, from there, it it unfolded very slowly, I must say. And then it got to a point, I don't know, about six years ago or so, where I went through a horrible six months where every night I had just the most horrific nightmares. And I'd be waking up feeling like something was shaking me. I could feel energy in the room. It felt dark and cloudy and yucky. And I I thought I was going out of my mind, to be honest. Mm. And so I went and asked around and I said, you know, does this happen to other people? And it was a kind of, again, a not really. (laughs) You're weird. (laughs) 
<laughs> and so exactly so weird and so I went on a bit of a mission to find other people that were weird in the same way that Love I it. was weird yeah and that's what life is really surrounding yeah. ourselves with other people who are weird so that we can all feel weird together Oh, totally. And then I eventually got more and more into the spiritual side of life and all of the stuff regarding chakras, auras, energy, past lives, all of that sort of stuff. And eventually I started to to learn how to do energetic healing in a really practical way. And so now I'm in the space where if I have a life coaching client in front of me and they're just just hitting a wall, you know, there's only so much we can do sometimes by talking about things and how did that make you feel and et cetera, that if we hit a wall, of course I'm going to use energetic healing and I'm going to pull out all of that energetic debris and heaviness and guilt and shame and all of the stuff that's ready to be shifted. Mm. I'm going to sit there and I'm going to, with their permission, pull it out so that they can feel lighter, brighter and have a greater ability to thrive in the world. Wow. Amazing. What a gift to be able to give that to people. (laughs) I believe that now. I tell you what, six years ago, it felt like a massive burden. Mm. Well, we often feel like our gifts are burdens until we understand Mm -hmm. how to use them in a way that has energy flowing through us instead of it feeling like this heavy thing that you don't know what to do with. I agree. It it no longer feels like it's depleting me and it now feels like it's filling me up and so much so that I've got more to give to other people as well. Oh, that's so beautiful. And we're glad you're giving it out to all of us. It's really good. (laughs) Um, Now, you've mentioned quite a few lifestyle factors there. Let's come back to anxiety um, that can contribute to anxiety. Are there any you haven't mentioned yet? We've talked the workplace energy. I find that a really interesting one because a lot of people don't admit how much that can impact us. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big time. Look, uh, past memories and getting stuck in those is a big one. Mm -hmm. So if you picture for me the infinity symbol and on the left-hand side you picture that as the past, the middle bit where it crosses over as the present and the bit on the right as the future, ideally we want to continuously flow through that where we're being we learn from the past and take action on that in the present and we're inspired by the future and pull that energy back into the present to do something about it. But for people who are experiencing anxiety or high-functioning anxiety, what essentially tends to happen is that we get stuck in the right bit. So we get stuck in the future and we're not pulling our energy back into the present moment to be mindful and actually do something about it. Sometimes it we don't have the ability, you know, if, if the anxiety is particularly severe, we're probably going to need somebody else to help facilitate us to, to come back into the present moment, mm. which I get. And then the more practical things are exercise. You know, if we're not getting exercise, we're not moving in the prana and the chi through our bodies, it looks stagnant like a pond. So mm. we've got to exercise, do some huff and puff type of stuff and then the other major one that I see a lot is when people aren't breathing they do that kind of like if they open their emails for example Mm. uh, they get email apnea which is I hear it in my husband my poor husband he'll kill me when I say this but I've heard (laughs) him be like you know, responding to someone in a Facebook group or something and then like I can hear him go <sighs> at the end yep. <laughs> because he hasn't breathed. Maybe I do it too. Who knows? Well, there was a study done that it's actually reported in the Ariana Huffington book Thrive where yes, 80% yes. of people experience email apnea. Yeah. That's huge. That's massive. Massive. So if if we're not breathing right, you know, we're not getting oxygenating our brain, we're not exercising and 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 moving energy through, we're exposed to toxins, we've got energetic blockages, there's stress, there's relationship stuff going on. If there is a predisposition to be a bit of a warrior or a little bit anxious, these are the things that are going to kick us off and and kick us into the level of anxiety where we need to manage it appropriately. Gotcha. Yeah. And speaking about managing it appropriately, um, 
Obviously, there are going to be some cases where acute care might be required for the short-term game plan. Um, how do you navigate? Is that something you've had to use? Uh, have you had to use medication in the past? And do you have any advice for people? You know, because a lot of people who are living low tox and experience these things from time to time in life or chronically can feel shame or guilt around having to, and I'm putting that in inverted commas over here, use <laughs> medication. And I really um, see my role as a, a leader in this community to ensure that no one feels guilt or shame and, and we can always recognise the need for acute care when it comes up, um, all the while empowering ourselves with a long-term game that's more aligned with our values. Um I'd love to see your thoughts on that and how you've helped clients or yourself through that. Yeah, look, every again, every single person is different. And yeah. if it's getting to a point where the most serious point is where people want to take their own life, they don't feel like it's worth living and they are suicidal, absolutely you need to get help ideally a lot before that. But if you're at that point, you need to reach out immediately we need to be calling triple zero but if we take a few steps before that medication is absolutely nothing to be ashamed of mm. luckily and I'm very fortunately for me I haven't required medication for anxiety which I feel very fortunate about but it's funny it's actually something I was talking to a client about this morning that she she didn't want to go on it and it had been recommended to her by her doctor that she did and I said, look, if we look at it from a medical perspective and somebody's been in a horrific car crash and their injuries are so advanced, body can't repair it, it's fully conscious, the doctors are going to put them into a medically induced coma so that their body can re-repair itself, get strong enough to keep doing the rest. Mm. The coma is a short-term process to allow their body to get for what comes next and in a lot of cases um, anti-anxiety medication or antidepressants can be looked at in the same perspective depending on the individual circumstance for for some they are a lifetime thing and for others they are a one-off or a short-term process to help kick them back into gear mm. and while they're doing that of course they can still do all of the beautiful low processes you know getting that mold and those toxins out they can engage in yoga and meditation and all those things alongside of their medication until the point when they might be ready to come off or not either way it's okay it's just got to work on what's going to work for you yeah I love that message that's beautiful um so in terms of some of these situations like when we think about the workplace and you know how you mentioned that sort of brown cloudy looking um, sort of visualization around the energy in a space we spend you know eight to 12 hours a day depending on who you are and what you do um, in <laughs> or sometimes even more sadly uh, working um, and and like that can be a real stuck point like what does one do when one has their supposed dream job but the culture or environment that they're in absolutely sucks. Like, you know, <laughs> how do we move through that? Because you can do all the work you want on yourself, but if there's an issue, yep. you know, is there is there something empowering we can do to start conversations that change a workplace? Or what do you recommend when clients come to you with that? Look, it can come from a couple of different perspectives. I also, when I did work in the corporate world, I was in HR. So I talked about this stuff all mm, the time. I bet. Um, from a personal perspective, the thing that I personally do and recommend a lot of my clients to do is to create what's called a bubble of light around your body. So it's as simple as before you walk into any space that might be a little emotionally precarious, mm -hmm. that you visualize the highest point in the universe that you can perceive or in the sky and you pull down a bright white beam of light and let it fill up your body so much that it start that light starts to come out all of your pores and bubble of light around you. And for those that aren't clairvoyant, which is the vast majority, you just visualise it. You just yeah. pretend there's light around you. You can say something to the effect of, 
I ask that all love and good things continue to come in and all negativity and anything not for my highest good bounce right off. Oh my and gosh, can it. we can we do that slowly and actually close our eyes? Yeah, let's for do sure. it. Okay, let's do that again. For sure. So if anyone's driving, maybe do this later. <laughs> <laughs> Please do not close your eyes at the wheel. Good good point, Tammy. Nice one. <laughs> So essentially what you do is you'd close your eyes gently and perceive the highest point in the sky or in the universe that you can perceive. From there, pulling down a bright white beam of light, glistening, beautiful, and coming down into the crown of your head. And from there, pulling more and more bright white light down into every single cell within your body so it starts to illuminate and glow every single cell from the inside out. And once it's so full of bright white energy, allow it to continue to pour on in so it starts to come out through all of the surface of your skin and fill up a beautiful oval or ball of energy that wraps around your energetic sphere or around your aura and let it fill up so bright and so white that you feel strong and capable and confident in this bubble and say either internally or out loud, say, I now ask that all love and good things continue to enter and soak into this bubble. And I ask that all negativity and anything that's not for my highest good to bounce off and be transmuted into love. And then you'd say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Open your eyes and you're ready to go. (laughs) Oh, that's so awesome. You gave us the 12-inch extended remix version. That was great. (laughs) (laughs) love it oh that's so beautiful and that's just a little thing that we can use as literally a coping mechanism through any of those sorts of situations where the energy around us isn't ideal that's right yeah Mm. um now like in terms of your own life when you realized you had high functioning anxiety Mm. how have you sort of learnt to move through that and feel energized and positive and and all the beautiful things about that bubble we just explored together how how have you practically done that outside of just that little example that you gave us for me it's absolutely been a holistic perspective so there's no silver bullet to say and and now it's gone zing it's (laughs) it's really a collective process of trialing things did that work no let it go try something else keep doing it That sort of thing. So one of the main things was acknowledging that I'm a perfectionist in recovery, that my personality is built up to want to have everything just so, everything in a line, everything colour-coded and everything perfect. And the minute that I started to really recognise that, I could work on healing the fear that came around that. And I did that by working with an energetic healer myself. You know, as a a practitioner, you must have other people to support as well. Absolutely. Uh, So I did energetic healing. I did practical things like I continue to go to yoga every week. I meditate every morning. I have a pretty clean diet, which means... You know, I still love hot chips. Who doesn't? (laughs) But on the most part, I eat not too many preservatives. Most things are pretty clean. I'm dairy-free, reasonably low gluten. All of that stuff helps. And the other thing was acknowledging the people in my life who uplift and support me and hanging around them more than the people that I felt like I just had to be a people pleaser with. Oh, that's such a big one, isn't it? Oh, massive. And that's taken me years and I'm mm. still working on it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't think it's – we never arrive anywhere to think that we might you – know, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm finally completely low-tox and then you walk past a car with exhaust and then, <laughs> boom, you're not. So, like <laughs> – just that perfectionist idea that we can compartmentalize and say this is going to be perfect and this is what we're going to try and achieve um healthy striving is my favorite saying it's a Brene Brown 
Brene Brown nugget and um, and I just love that. So everything you've talked about there, yes, I love hot chips too. Um, but it's really about what we do most of the time to be able to go yep. with the flow some of the time. Big time, you know, the, the Pareto principle, the yeah. 80-20 rule that we want to put all of our our energy into the bits that we're doing the most, you know, that we're wearing 80% of the time rather than the other bit. Yeah. And, um, okay, so you do all of those things. Uh, What happens when you don't? Like how quickly do you find anxiety creeping up? Because so often we can have the best intentions and then you have that crazy week or you launch your e-course like you just did recently (laughs) and I'm sure things weren't perfect that week um, in terms of, you know, getting everything done and meditating every day, going to yoga. Like sometimes things give. How yep. much give do you feel like you can give before you realise, well, hold on, got to take stock and bring all those good things back in? Yeah, and this happens to everybody, that's mm. for sure. But, that's why I wanted but, to talk about it because a lot of people think, oh, well, it's easy for Tammy because she has time to meditate and do yoga every day. And I think we've got to have these real conversations where yeah. no one does that every day. Oh, mm. goodness gracious, yeah. no. Hmm. Nobody does. And I find that a lot of what I do in when I'm on the speaking circuit and uh, when I'm coaching clients is I'm giving them permission to totally stuff it all up hmm. because I'm a meditation teacher. And do I literally meditate every day? No. Sometimes I press snooze and I've got to kind of be okay yeah. with that. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that still really lurks for me is imposter syndrome and feeling like a massive fraud and that is super linked to my version of anxiety where, you know, just last week I I had done all of these outwardly amazing things. My e-course was up and running. I was getting great feedback. I got a bunch of new clients, I'm, you know, et cetera. All of these amazing things had happened. And I sat on the couch and I just, I honestly, I burst into tears and I, there was nothing to describe the amount of overwhelm and heaviness. And I just thought, oh my God, there is so much going on in my world at the moment. Usually I'm in a ba- in great balance and today I'm so not. Mm. And I Thank, I'm re- very lucky in that I have a beautiful fiance and he now, you know, I, I've had to tell him what I need in those times and what I need is for him to just hold me and clutch me really tight and basically not say anything. Yeah, please, no <laughs> solutions, thank you, no. just hold me, yeah. Just hold me tight and that's it. And. I cried it out. I went and washed my face with a hot washer and I got in my comfy flannelette pyjamas, got into bed early and I woke up the next morning and I was all good. Mm. Whereas before, when I was really in the thick of it, I wouldn't have been all good the next day. It would have continued. Mm. And so now being able to bounce back, that's that's a real difference. We still experience all of the emotions, guilt, shame, anxiety, all of these things, but it's our ability to acknowledge that emotion, say that's what's going on for me and now I'm going to consciously pop it to the side and continue on. Mm. And that's so uh, important to that healthy striving aspect of, you know, quite often we uh, might have something wrong with us, like um, wrong is just such a shocking word, but just to to illustrate the point, whether it's mold illness, whether it's anxiety, whether, you know, whatever label you want to whack on it um, and, and be working towards not having that thing anymore. And I think for our mental health, it's actually better to say, I'm just going to become way more resilient so that if anything like this pops up again, I can bounce back really quickly. And resilience is really um, uh, the the place that we want to get to when it comes to 
um, uh, like feeling like we're really getting strong and then thriving to move past that, which is actually something that the beautiful Melissa Brown, who I had on the show to talk about money, talks about. Um, you can be financially resilient and then your next step is thriving. And that's where the bounce back requirement is even further between um, episodes. And I think we could actually probably bring that into um, talking about those feelings of anxiety or overwhelm. Absolutely. And I think what happens for a lot of people who do have anxiety is they say, well, I'm feeling crummy and crap and paralyzed and I feel like I can't physically move. And then they get on Instagram and they see some kind of wellness blogger (laughs) and they go, Oh, well, that's what thriving looks like. There is an eternity between where I am and where they are. And what we actually want is to first off neutralize all of the fear and the worry that is coming with these layers and levels of anxiety. And then once that starts to stabilize, then we can work on doing small bits that help you to thrive in an everyday manner. We don't jump from down in the ditches to being on top of the mountain and Mm. feeling 100%. That's just not how it works. Yeah. And um, in terms of energetic healing, I'd mm. love to ask you, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I don't have enough money for that right now or I can't afford that right now. And that can bring about a lot of anxiety. I mean, finance is, is such a contributor to the anxiety picture um, mm. for so many people. Um, how does that energetically affect us when we use those phrases and terms over and over again? Uh, So they kind of turn into an affirmation where we convince ourselves that we don't have enough money, for example, Mm -hmm. and where that sits in the body energetically is in what's referred to as the base chakra. So when we're talking about money stuff, it's in the same energetic space as security and stability. So if we're constantly saying, I don't have enough money, I can't afford that, you know, that's too much for me, et cetera, et cetera, it tends to cloud up that that base chakra area and makes us feel even wobblier, Mm -hmm. even more nervous and less connected with the earth and with practical everyday belonging and everyday interactions. So, Ideally, we don't want to be saying that. If you don't have the money, I understand that. That can actually be somebody's reality. Mm. And we still want to acknowledge that. Say, you know, I don't have enough money for it yet, Mm. for example, or I'm going to make that investment in myself later. What can I do today? So it's kind of shifting some of that language to be a little bit more proactive and more empowered. Love it. And I really think that these tiny nuances can help us build that resilience, right? And help us not see these things as uh, as needing to welcome anxiety into our bodies and, and like with a, just a small reframe. And it's almost like a muscle, isn't it? Like we actually need yeah. to practice over and over again, making these small shifts so that they don't become a part of us and bring on more anxiety or add a layer to the anxiety we might already be feeling. And it's like for people who are feeling really stressed, for example, and they say, well, I'm just going to go on a holiday for three weeks in Europe. And they might have a great time, but then they come back and they haven't shifted or changed any of their daily behaviours. So nothing's going to really change. So it's, I believe it's what we do daily on the tiny micro level that actually shifts and changes and allows the transformations that most of us are really desiring. Yes. That is beautiful. I love that. Um, And obviously you, for a living, help people shine brightly and get to these places where the rebound um, anxiety that's experienced is less and less or easier to come back from. Um, Can you kind of share maybe a little story or, you know, is there a client that comes to mind that you're super proud of that you can kind of explain the journey that happened for them? Oh, my goodness. All of my clients are are so amazing. And I think that the gift is that they're so different in how each of them have 
have evolved to get to a space where they feel comfortable in their own skin. Um, One in particular was a member of the clergy, which is not what everybody would expect um, would come to an energetic healer. And she was constantly, you know, in front of a a church of people and people were looking to her for spiritual, religious-based guidance, life guidance, and she was feeling quite wobbly and apprehensive within uh, how she gave that and not as confident and as assertive as she wanted to be. And so we worked on uh, getting really great at vibrating at what is referred to as the vibration of patience and being okay to not be, you know, at the Christ consciousness or whatever yeah. the label is that, that that individual wants, not having to be there right now and take her time to get there. And we also did lots of energetic healing. She said affirmations every day. And by that, I mean minimum 30 times a day, with at least 10 of those into the mirror to help up-level her ability to accept, love, respect and support herself exactly as she is if she never changed. And when we continue to layer on these tiny little changes, she ended up being, oh, my goodness, so impressive in that an amazing brand-named, household-name university over in America had her come and do a fellowship to talk about what her specialty is because she was so embodied in herself and so relatable and people just loved hearing what she had to say, like hand-picked. How incredible is that? So amazing. So amazing and so humble throughout the process of, you know, I know a lot of things, but I don't know it all. And that's such a beautiful uh, style to show up to learn and evolve. And I just really admire her. Mm, That's gorgeous. Oh, amazing. So good. And I bet you've got a bazillion (laughs) stories like that. Um, Okay. So often... Um, it's the helpers who don't help themselves. This is something I've noticed time and time again. I've certainly uh, fallen into the trap myself where I'm helping absolutely everybody under the sun and then at the same time throwing myself under a bus with neglect. Um, How do you support natural helpers through um, those anxious peaks that they might experience when they realise, oh, my gosh, I've helped everybody but myself and now I'm about to fall apart. (laughs) Yeah, so the official phrase is compassion fatigue for that where... Love it. I've never known what that was called. Ah, there you go. Cool. So that's when we're, exactly as you said, we're giving out to everybody else, making sure everybody else's needs are met before our own Mm -hmm. and... You know, the the very common analogy of when you're on a plane and the oxygen masks drop from the roof, you have to put your own on first before you then help anybody else around you. Because if you're not breathing, you're no help to anyone. Mm. So... I, it's funny, a lot of my clients come from some kind of helping profession, whether they're personal trainers, they're nurses, I coach a lot, a lot of other life coaches as well, uh, or people who are in customer service and just have lots of interaction with others. And for those personalities that naturally form the role of a rescuer and they want to get in there and they want to do it on behalf of everybody and they want to save the day and they want to (laughs) be a bit of a people pleaser, that's exhausting and that can really affect uh, their their bodies as well that can kick off problems where with their adrenal system with all of the stress hormones going through their body because their body feels like there is a danger because they're not giving to themselves. So the first thing with all of them is we acknowledge where they can accept themselves exactly as they are and we start to have them do some things for themselves. And this doesn't mean, contrary to 
popular conversation. It doesn't mean a bubble bath and some dark chocolate. <laughs> oh, that's so frustrating. While those things are so beautiful and fun and who doesn't love dark chocolate? Had some is... just before our interview, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Full disclosure. That is, that's not what self-care is. That no. is fun and that's lovely and it feels good. But self-care is actually acknowledging the things that, make us feel more ourselves, make us feel great in our own skin. And that's often through finding some kind of purpose or connection with the world where we can give back and gift what we have, our special thing, and give it out to the community in some way. And that doesn't necessarily mean that all of a sudden everybody works for a charity. That might mean somebody who is just incredible at making other women feel great by cutting their hair. Cool. Mm. Let's make sure that your career is aligned with hairdressing and that you are allowed, you've got the space to lift up other women by doing that. And connecting them with that really starts to give them the permission to actually feel great, do what works for them. And when they do what works for them, it often actually helps other people at the same time. That's the thing, right? And can I just give a hot tip that I've started doing recently um, that's helped me through my, um, what what have I got again? Compassion. Compassion fatigue. Compassion fatigue. Uh, And uh, it's something that I'm just getting better and better at um, uh, working on for myself and knowing where my boundaries are. And what I've started doing is putting three or four things in the diary each week before anything else about helping other people goes in there that is my tennis lesson or my... um, my big walk down by the harbour and I actually diarise all the things I need to do or want to do to fill my cup up each week and then everything goes in over the top. So I've literally started putting on my oxygen mask before anyone else in the analogy (laughs) of what my weekly diary looks like and it just feels great because when I look at the diary, I don't see, I don't have that slightly sort of it's not an empty feeling because I love the work that I do and all the people out there listening today know just how much I love the work that I do. Um, but it is that sense that I'm I'm taken care of too and that just mm. means exactly what you were saying before. You end up having just so much to overflow and continue to gift other people um, in that equation when you have looked after yourself. And I think, you know, it's predominantly helpers, helper nature people that listen to this podcast and of them predominantly women and uh, women so often fall into this compassion fatigue um, situation and uh, and I'd, I'd just love to issue a bit of a challenge this week. If you could just look at the next week's diary and go, okay, where's my cup being filled up next week? And if there's nothing in there that is, then schedule it now and, and fill it right now with what you need, what you know you need. Would you say that that's something um, that that's, I mean, I've just launched into this whole thing that I do. And I'm like, (laughs) hold on, let's just check in with the life coach who does this for a living. Is that a good thing to do? It's a great thing to do. And I actually do the exact same thing. And to add on to that amazing tip, the other thing that I do with my diary is uh, I use Google Calendar. You might use a, a a pen and paper diary. Uh, it doesn't matter. I actually color code mine. So all of my health and well-being, filling up my cup activities are in green. And oh, so cool. Yeah. And then I have all of my work-based things. So speaking engagements, coaching clients in blue. And then I have family and friends and partner in pink and then life admin in grey. And then what that allows me to do is look at a glance at my week and see if it's in balance. Mm, love that. That's that's you and your perfectionist colour coding tendency coming through. <laughs> Sometimes it's helpful. <laughs> I know. I was just about to say in this situation, it's good. It's great. <laughs> and I think on that note, with 
anything that is a bit of a weakness for us, it's also our biggest strength. So using that example, you know, I do love to organise things and feel like things are in their place. Sometimes that's unhelpful, but sometimes like it with this, I can use it to my benefit in making sure that I'm looking after myself and my clients are getting my full presence and full attention when I'm there and used it in a practical everyday way. So I think it's really important to acknowledge that some of the symptoms and the characteristics of those with high functioning anxiety have actually helped them to become quite successful. Mm. fabulous things and we don't want to throw that out we want to retain the bits where it works and neutralize where it's fear inducing or unhelpful in any way that is such a great um place to finish our chat amazing and can we just quickly talk about your course because I know we've mentioned it a couple of times uh, during the show uh what um who who needs to do this is it specifically for high-functioning anxiety individuals? So the course itself is called Learn to Manage Your High-Functioning Anxiety. So, so yes, it would be. <laughs> and for those with high-functioning anxiety, um, we actually focus over the course of six weeks. Each week we look at a different component of something that's going to help neutralise those yucky bits and help you thrive in some areas. So, for example, the first week we look at perfectionism, the Mm -hmm. second week on making sure that you're no longer holding everyone around you to those impossible, seriously high standards. Mm. Then we move into mindfulness, meditation, procrastination. That's a big part that a lot of people don't recognize. Yeah, well, you wouldn't think that. If you were high functioning, you would think that people who were high functioning didn't procrastinate. Oh, contraire. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And the reason for that is that they want to get things exactly perfect and if they leave it to the last minute and they don't do so well, they can rationalize in their own mind to say, well, it wasn't so good or is a little bit average because I left it to the last minute. Ah, if I gave myself more okay, time, that's it would have been perfect. Yeah. So it's a coping mechanism. Okay. And then what's next? And then we look at lifestyle. So this is where our interview that we did together sits in there as far as movement, environment, food choices. And then the last week is all about surrendering control and not having to control everyone and all of the situations surrounding us to make sure it's exactly as we want it to be. Cool. And do we, is is it something that someone, we, I'm like, yep, I'm registering. No. (laughs) Do we (laughs) then, does one do this course on a specific date with a group of people or is it something that people work through at their own pace? So it is live rounds, which means you go through it at the same time as a community. So Mm -hmm. other people are doing week one at the same time as you and week three at the same time as you, which I found to be really important for people who want to feel like they belong and have people just get it, get Mm. what they're going through. You would be having some amazing conversations in in what I'd imagine, is there a private space for people to connect? Yes. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's really empowering and beautiful for me as well to say, oh, even these people, they just get it. Mm. Cool. Let's chat about what worked, what didn't. Next time. Yeah. And do you feel like a lot of this work that you do, you know, you've moved away from corporate HR and into stepped into uh, coaching and energetic healing, do you feel like that was almost part of you making your mess your message? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And I think the thing that we need to heal ourselves is often the thing that we become the greatest teachers for other people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I read something once that said the person who is going to have the most cut through and be the most amazing teacher is not necessarily the the global guru and the person who has a thousand books published on a particular topic. It's sometimes the person that it's, there are a few steps ahead of you. And so they still remember what it's like to be you and be in that body and with that brain and with that mind. And so I feel really fortunate and honored to be let into people's worlds to talk about this stuff. 
Oh, that's beautiful. And so how I feel as well. You know, we're all just a few steps ahead of the next people. So we're reaching back and helping those people. And then there are some gurus over there helping us. And everybody's just moving in a generally awesome direction. And that's all that matters to me, I think. Me too. I love that. Mm. Well, all the best with your uh, course. Uh, and uh, and I'm such a, I'm so pleased about the chat that we had on it in the lifestyle topic. So I hope everyone enjoys that one. And uh, thank you so much for joining me today. What a great conversation. Oh, what fun. Thank you so much, Alex. Thanks, Tammy. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoy having these conversations and bringing them to you. Now, where can you find me and Lotox Life from here on in? Well, you've obviously got lotoxlife.com and there we have everything beautifully organized into food, home, body and mind topics as well as kids and a whole bunch of free downloadables and resources to help you, inspire you to take community action. And there's amazing A to Z recipes there if you're ever getting a little bit stale in the kitchen and a whole bunch of articles that I've written. You can also find me on Instagram at Lotox Life and also on Facebook by a page the same name. I make everything super easy, Lotox Life, so you can find it really, really simply. Thank you so much to everybody who leaves a five-star review over on Stitcher or iTunes or wherever it is that you tune into the show. And also to let you know that you can join us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Lotox Life and come join the private Lotox Life Club. In there, over time, more and more cool stuff is about to be added. It's a place where we can continue the conversations, chat about the weekly show, you're going to get bonus Q&A and all sorts of things over time. I explain everything over on Patreon, so I encourage you to check that out. And in the meantime, I'll see you next week. Music.